0: Back to the last word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Uh, today, we got a great episode. The one and only Matt Bosty makes his return, and uh, it's a bunch of fun. We talk about a bunch of different things, including. Um, what, what to expect from some of the defensemen, forwards, and even goaltending this year uh, with Ottawa. Uh, we look at the crowded blue line and, and what our opinions on are on some of the depth and the, uh, the, definitely the amount of players and where some prospects are going to play. Um, And then we also talk about things like uh, ads on jerseys and the uh, report that uh, you'll probably have to be double vaccinated to go see the Sens this year. So um, thank you so much to Matt for joining me. Uh, Absolute blast recording with him. He's one of the best guys out there. So give him a follow if you haven't already. and thank you all for the support. It's meant a lot. I know I say that every week, but uh, definitely means a lot each and every week. So um, as we're getting into late August here, it's crazy. We, you know, we talk uh, we talk about how it is the dog days of summer, but. Um, you know, it's been lucky enough that uh, the off season only ended about a month ago. So um, I plan to do probably an episode every other week uh, here on in until, you know, the season gets ready to start again. And then I, I think by late September, early October, when the season's ready to go and we got lots to talk about, that's when I'm going to try and get back to every seven to 10 days. So I uh, just want to give everyone an update on what my schedule is looking like. Um, if for whatever reason you want to hear more of me, you can check out my other podcast at the MNM hockey podcast I do with Chase McCallum. Uh, you can find that anywhere you listen to this one. Currently we're in the midst of ranking our top 20, uh, players at every position. So we've done centers and wingers. Uh, defense is coming out this week and goaltending will be coming out next week. So, um, well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy and let's get right to the podcast. Making this return to the podcast is the one and only Matt Bosty. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, can't complain. Well, I'm sure I can, and I'm sure I will about a lot of Ottawa Senators decisions over the last couple of years, but I'll try and keep it to a minimum.
0: About the day we can't complain, right? Uh,
1: <laughs> it's,
0: uh, we were talking off air just before we started here, and uh, it's... Uh, Another just kind of dull part of the offseason, but this is not the first time I've had you on in one of the dull parts of the offseason. The first time I had you was about this time last year, to be honest, and we talked about a Christian Yarrow signing as the headline of our podcast. Uh, today I'd like to think we have a little more interesting news but um we'll, <laughs> it'll definitely be one of those episodes where wherever it goes it's gonna go and there's gonna be no complaints about it because uh there's absolutely not a ton to talk about as expected probably in you know the end of August and I, I'm sure some stuff will uh, get started here soon but um yeah there there's a couple pieces of news I guess over the past couple weeks uh, NHL related and sends related and, um, you know, I, I don't even really know where to start because I don't know if there is a quote biggest piece of news. <laughs> um,
1: so let's, Scott Savarin, baby.
0: Yeah, let's serve some auto stuff, I guess. The, they, they signed a contract, maybe not exactly the contract that uh, people have been holding <laughs> out for here, with you know, names like Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk still unsigned, but uh they signed Scott Saverin to a one uh, one-year two-way deal, 750k. Uh, he obviously, he was with the Sens two years ago, uh, played a little bit of time with them and then was with the, the Leafs organization last year. I think played a game with the Leafs, if I'm not mistaken, but mostly was with the Marlies. Um, this looks like it'll mostly just be AHL depth, but what do you think of the signing? I'm
1: trying to remember, it right? was the Samaritan game that he played against Ottawa? No, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. I th- uh, yeah.
0: I, I think it was against Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, because he had a fight. Yeah, I, I know it was one right. of the more chippy games. Montreal or Winnipeg, one of the two.
1: It would have been more fun if it was against us, so we can just do this cycle forever of uh, of back and forth. Uh, I I can't I can't find any reason to be mad at this deal as long as he's not actually getting any game time up in Ottawa of, of a significant amount. Like you know what, I don't mind. What if if we keep the over under? If we keep the under ten games in the season in Ottawa. I... It is what it is. Every team has a player like Scott Sabarin. I don't think they're really needed in the NHL anymore. But I didn't hate him when he played for Ottawa. He I, did he put? I think he put two goals, and like he, he had a, he had like eight, ten points, six points, something around there. Which honestly, on how bad our team was that year, really not not the worst thing in the world. But uh, its depth put him put him in Belleville. The Belleville team is going to be such a weird team too. With everyone who's graduated from it, the fact that a lot of our players are still gonna be in Nodak, that we really didn't fill the coffers there. Like that that might be the part that I'm more surprised at than anything, is we didn't have Pierre making a whole bunch of little uh little trades or little acquisitions just to get these uh get the kids a little bit more breathing room out in Belleville because who's gonna play? Do we have even a full like roster at this point?
0: I think there's enough names. They made a couple signings uh, on free agency day, if I'm not mistaken, um, that were more AHL types. But yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting because and I think there will probably be some prospects that start down there, whether we want to see that or not. But uh, I, I do think, yeah, there's probably I wouldn't even be surprised if there's more to come, to be honest. And uh, Cole Sherwood and Dylan Dylan Heatherington are the two that I was thinking of. They signed on July 29th. And even Pontus Aberg, I think, will probably start in the AHL, too, yeah. um, who's a tweener, right? But, um, yeah, they definitely have some names down there, but it, it won't be the absolute stacked uh, Belleville team we've seen in the past couple of years, you know, with the Drake Bathersons and Josh Norris's. And and even, you know, I think someone like Shane Pinto will probably be, if he doesn't start with Ottawa, which I think he has a good case to start with Ottawa. But if he doesn't, he will be up here sooner rather than later, you know, so.
1: Mm-hmm. See, I didn't think he would start with Ottawa this year until we've made no trades uh, like if you were to ask me around the deadline i would say no no no. no. we're gonna get someone we're gonna get uh, a one-year stop gap get pinto maybe 35 games in the nhl get 50 games in the a and just let him cook down there but <laughs> we, we need him <laughs> he's gonna be an important part of our middle six with uh, with the lack of additions that we've had up here uh we're gonna need him to actually play some minutes which to me that that makes for more exciting hockey uh, but definitely not not to the benefit of the uh, the B Sens down there. No, I just looked it up, and they only have like four dedicated defensemen, I think, in Belleville uh, mm-hmm. right now. Like, of course, like you said, Brandstrom. Well, you said some people might play down there, and the the writing might be on the raw wall for our our potential superstar and Eric Brandstrom. Uh,
0: and maybe even JBD to start game. too,
1: right? Like, yeah, which yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Well, Brandstrom, I think, is silly. I think there's zero reason to to not have him play 82 games if he's healthy for 80, 82 games.
0: I agree with that. I, I think JBD could definitely start in the minors. You know, I, I thought he looked fine in the short time he got to play in Ottawa, but. If, you know, especially if you start them down there and are you closer to the deadline, you want to bring them up. I don't think that's an issue, but yeah, um, d- at the back, it'll be, I definitely think there's going to have to be a couple more moves made and maybe that's AHL only contracts, but up front, mm-hmm. they got about 13 or 14 guys. And again, man, one of those is Logan Brown, who I, I think <laughs> also is probably should like. I don't know what you're going to do if he's not on this NHL team, because there's no way he makes it through waivers, right? Like, I I yeah. know his value might be low, but if he gets placed on waivers, there's no way uh, 31 other teams are taking a pass on that.
1: And if you don't have any plans for him, either via trade, you wouldn't protect him. Like, yeah, you no. know what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that we had that many players to protect instead, but you might as well protect Chris Tierney and try and flip him for a fifth or something like that. If you were just going to let Logan Brown try and sneak him through waivers, which Buffalo will take any of these teams that don't have a, don't have a hope in hell this year. What's the harm in taking Logan Brown and just giving him 20 games to see if he does anything in, in the NHL. So you're, you're right on for that. It's, it's just weird to me. It's weird to me with all the hype that was kind of starting up from Eugene's interview saying, we're going to go after a center and a forward into complete radio silence like it, do you think we're cooking do you think do you think the dominoes are all holding out on jack eichel and then when jack eichel falls we're gonna see like 15 trades in the nhl
0: i i don't think so to be honest like i, I think it was maybe just some more overhype, and i don't know from an Ottawa perspective it does seem oddly quiet but th- i will say that you know last year it was i think only two weeks in before the season when they made that Paquette and Coburn deal. And obviously that is a yeah. much more minor of a deal than say bringing in a top six center, but even the <laughs> step-on deal wasn't, uh, wasn't that early before the, or was, you know, it's not like it was in the middle of the off season. That was uh what a month before training camp or so, or in training camp. So um, yeah, I definitely think there will be a couple more dominoes to fall, but I'm also kind of wondering if they were just, maybe an overestimating the market. And, you know, may, I don't know, you know, with all this talk of Seattle coming in and people were going to lose good players for nothing. I mean, we can get into what you thought of Seattle's draft, but I, the more I look at, it, I think the more they kind of not botched it is the right word, but I think they definitely could have taken advantage of a couple more teams than they really did. But when that doesn't happen, that doesn't squeeze teams anymore. Right. So, you know, maybe some of the price for uh Strome from the Rangers or even, you know, his brother, uh, you know, maybe that was just higher than what Ottawa is willing to pay. And, and if that is the case, I have no issue with them backing out. Mm-hmm. I, I'd much rather see Shane Pinto get a chance at two or three C at some point this year, than overpay for, you know, uh mediocre second slash third line set player that you're either going to have to let walk or, probably overpay in, in a year or two, you know?
1: Oh, 100%. I would much rather a boring offseason than a stupid offseason. And some of the moves that have been, like, have, have happened this offseason <laughs> are mind-numbingly dumb. Like, you give up Flurry for zilch. Nothing. The Vesno winner for nothing. Then the team who gets them makes quite possibly the worst decision in giving Seth Jones a friggin, what, nine mil or something?
0: Nine and a half, I think it was. By yeah, 80- like,
1: what? get out not, of
0: here like not i to don't mention think hes as, oh uh two first rounders and a good and their top <laughs> prospect yeah. for that too
1: like yeah yeah absolutely like i don't think he's as like i don't think he's a bad defenseman i don't think he's worth that cap it i think that he's he's fine on a team uh but he's not your cornerstone no and and they're they're making him their cornerstone entire team with that kind of salary. And like, they won't get anything done. It's just, it's comedic. They might actually do better this year with such an upgrade in goaltending and shedding a couple of the older contracts. They might actually try and get into that kind of the bubble look and see what they can do. But still, I am so happy Ottawa didn't bite on anything like that because that would, that would be haunting us forever.
0: Yes. I don't think Seth Jones is quite as bad as his analytics say he is like they like if you're looking at that, he's like arguably not a top four defenseman. I don't think it's near that <laughs> aggressive, but he's also not this top five, top def- ten defenseman that people seem to to peg him as, you know. Like, and I don't really, I get he played a, a ton of minutes in Columbus, but I don't really understand where that narrative came from. Just because you can look at any, it doesn't have to be real advanced stats. It can just be goals on and off the ice. You know, while he's on and off the ice, they just they were never that great with him. You know, on versus off and. and Again, some of that is competition, but then you look at his uh, D partner who also got the absolute bag um, in Columbus (laughs) there. Um, And, you know, he put up better on versus off nice ice numbers. Uh, Sorry, I'm Zach Karenski. I might have his name for a second there, but he he looked better in Seth Jones. So it's like, yeah, I am very, very happy that Ottawa decided to, you know, just step back from the market as a whole this year, because there was just. Just a bunch of just really stupid things, whether that's a sign or like another guy who maybe is not quite as bad as his analytics say, but Oliver Ekman Larson has been not very oh. good for the past three years. And Vancouver willingly traded for the 30-year-old who's got like six years left on his deal at 7.6 mil. Who? Who?
1: Who sees this and is like, yeah, that's who I want. And like they didn't even they, – they offloaded a one-year Louis Erickson. Like that is making the Zaitsev deal look like like gold, and the Zaitsev deal isn't great, especially now it was okay of the year just because we got to not watch uh, Jared Cowan play for the Leafs, and that's worth 100 years' worth of uh, Zaitsev contracts in my books. But it like OEL is going to absolutely handcuff them and their decisions that they have to make around Elias Peterson and all these other young forwards that are coming up, and it's it doesn't make any sense. They're not getting anything out of him it, it feels like they just got him because he was maybe i'm wrong here but he was such a big name out of phoenix for so long that they uh, they acquired him just on the name brand recognition and the fact that they're missing uh they're missing a dynamic swedish duo without louis erickson so they thought well at least we can get another one back and they can try and relive their Sedin days in some weird way but unless he takes a huge step forward that is it's boneheaded it's absolutely boneheaded and did they also have to give up a first
0: yeah they give up the ninth overall pick to do it and i mean they, yeah, they, they, got, give... they got connor garland as well who is i i do like him as a player like i think he's a good second liner but like that is still and yeah with like oel it's like the dude's 30 like he's got to play like he was 25 or 26 for that contract to even be relatively worth it and like this would be maybe okay if you weren't also paying Tyler Myers $6 million, also paying <laughs> Travis Hammond at $3 million, also paying Tucker Pullman $2.5 million. Like they have $10 million to sign Pedersen and Quinn Hughes this offseason. And like that's just this season. Their cap sheet's not going to get any better from here on out as these players get worse, you know, like as OEL and Myers age. It's just. Yeah, some of the moves that have been made by different teams and we haven't even gotten to Edmonton like just some of the moves <laughs> have been like what are like these GMs were cap struck for about 1 year and then as soon as they got to go spend some money they just went absolutely crazy and uh, I think you know bringing it back to Ottawa here I am very happy that we've had a quiet off season uh, just in terms of you know what some of these prices look like they may have been and you know they obviously brought in uh, Delzato and Holden, Holden via trade and Delzato in free agency. And I, I'm still not entirely sure I understand the Delzato signing.
1: But the Delzato ones are really, really weird. But you know what? If we're going to sign a kind of a veteran defenseman, I'm much happier that it's uh, Delzato than uh, Coburn or uh, yeah. Ron, Ron Hainsey. Uh, uh, But Nick Holden, I, I'm actually super happy with that Holden deal. Is I think Dadanov was prime candidate for a bounce back season, but it's also the kind of thing where, you know what, there's no real reason to like bank on a bounce back like him having 30 goals isn't going to actually like propel the senators to the next level. I think that we will finish regardless of Dadanov whether he was good in Ottawa or bad in Ottawa this year. And I think Nick Holden is a fantastic acquisition for the price that he is. I'm really surprised to see so many people projecting him to spend 25 games in the press box. He is so stable. I He's been good everywhere he's played. He got cap crunched out of Vegas because they have a bunch of weird stuff going on. And I think he's the absolute perfect thing to be able to put in the middle right there, put a young defenseman with him. He has played in a whole bunch of different markets, a whole bunch of different teams, and he's going to have a wealth of experience to kind of pass along.
0: Not to mention his ability to play both the left and right side. I'm right with you here where I could not believe so many people projected him outside of the starting lineup for, a bulk of this season i think he's maybe not a lock but he's close to it like in my opinion anyways and and again we'll, we'll never know it depends on how people come out in training camp and stuff but yeah like i really like nicole all his underlying numbers have been great he can play the left and right side so you have some you know uh you can move him back and forth if you need and you know depending on how injuries go and stuff like that and yeah like he can play up or down the lineup like if you put him with a branch from or a Mete, that's great but if you need to play with Thomas Shabbat, I don't even think that's the worst fit either.
1: You know, that's like, kind of where I'm picturing them, because this is exactly what we're kind of looking for is if we had a, a top six and I don't know all of my handedness all that well off the top of my head. But if we could do something with uh, Shabbat Holden, then Zub and whoever is outperforming the other between Brandstrom and Mete, that's a competitive top four. That is hundred percent competitive. It's not amazing. It's not outstanding, but you can hold that up against a lot of the other Atlantic Div defensive corps. And it is in the top half. Now that's not saying that much because the Atlanta defensive or Atlantic defensive corps is who's the best defenseman in, in the Atlantic division. Oh, headman. It's got to be headman. Yeah,
0: headman. Yeah. And I mean, but even he had a bad, like, he was, I mean, he was he hurt, was fine. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> he yeah. He won
1: two cups. But
0: his <laughs> bad season was like the 20th best defender in the league. So it would be a headman. Yeah. But yeah, Ekblad's pretty good. And then after yeah. that, you know, like, the Leafs have three guys that I like, but they're all like just fringe number one guys. Like, no definite number one, right? Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So, and yeah, right. like, Detroit and Buffalo. Oh god.
1: <laughs> I'm hoping for like I'm so far past the rivalry with Buffalo at this point. It's just pure empathy. Oh, I, I feel see, so bad. I want to see Dallas Pot 85 points this season. And I still want them to finish below us, but I want I want something that they can get excited for because even when the sins were bad, which has been a lot, we still have these sprinklings in of like just this ridiculous stuff that keeps us on board, like the miracle run, like. I still think about that all the time that we literally won out for the season to just sneak in. I'm like, sure we lost, but that was absurd. Or the out of nowhere cup, uh, cup run in 2017, one goal away from the finals. Like that fuels me through years, like last year. Well, last season was fine, but like the season before and the Two season seasons, before yeah. that one, exactly. That stuff fuels me. That one keeps me going. And I look at Buffalo.
0: They've been in and anything eight, since, like, 08, 07, you know? like
1: Yeah, exactly. And even then, it wasn't like, when was their last cup finals? Was that the oh eight? I would have been
0: 99, probably.
1: Yeah, like, oh, uh, they got nothing. Their one player that they had that's been, like, any sort of prospect is they're screwing around. Like, it, how, how can you invest in that team? How?
0: Yeah, I, I I feel so bad for their fans. Like, and yeah, to the point where it's like when we played them in 07 in the playoffs, I was seven years old. So, like, I don't really have anything towards that rivalry anymore, right? Like, and Buffalo's just been so bad for so long, where it's like there's no point in hating on them because you just you sit there and you feel bad that they have to suffer through this. Like, and and truthfully, like hockey is better when Buffalo has a, a good team, you know, like because the rivalry, you know, Ottawa and Buffalo had, and even yeah. watching Toronto and Buffalo fans go at it will never get old. Like <laughs> They are just at each other's throat when it's even semi-competitive. So yeah, it's uh, for, for them, it sucks, but yeah, getting back to this Ottawa decor, like, <laughs> I, I I really think that, uh, you know, I, I would look at something like Shabbat and Holden and then yeah, either Branchstrom or Mete, I personally probably go Branchstrom, but it doesn't really matter. But one of them was Zub and then, um, you know, the other one with uh, probably Zaitsev. You know, I personally <laughs> maybe not have Zaitsev in my top six, but he will be in it. And then
1: like <laughs> With Delzato, many millions, he better be <laughs> playing.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Delzato and Josh Brown are, are two guys who I think can uh, sub in and out as, you know, back-to-backs come or injuries. Or, you know, if you just need to shake things up and, and give a guy a rest here or there, you know? so um, I think there's
1: uh, no harm in keeping a competitive D as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, just in the way where it's the best – Like you have, of course, some of the locks, Uh, like Shabbat, I think is really the only true, true lock. Zub, I think has played well enough that he should be a lock. Uh, And the other six, just whoever's competing, whoever's playing in and out. I I would love to see a little bit more of that with the sense rather than this kind of, This it's weird. And I actually really like DJ Smith as an Ottawa coach. I think he's been, uh, above and beyond compared to who our last few coaches have been for, for accountability, uh, and learning as he goes. Like I, I think Boucher revamped a lot of senators players and like Borwiecki should write a thank you note to Guy Boucher every summer being like, hey, you saved my career because he absolutely did. And I love Boro. I miss him every day on the Sens. He was great for us. Uh, But when it came to evolution and understanding what he had to do, he was the most stubborn guy. And Dave Cameron, I got nothing against him, but he just wasn't ready for, for a rebuild. DJ Smith, if he makes a mistake, he's out there saying, yeah, that was pretty bad. I really should think about this or he'll say something like, well, the kids want me to play them more and uh, they just got to show me they can. And then, you know what, by what, game 35 or something like that, 30, it was all Norris, all Brady, all Drake. They were they were going there. So he does actually back up his statements uh, when it comes to that, except for this weird thing where it's like you have to earn your time with him. That's my only thing is he wants these young players to earn time, which I think is OK, except that he lets these veterans just skate on and keep going. And I I, I I don't know whether it's a locker room thing. I've never been at that level of competition to speak from it from the inside. But I don't understand how you can just give these minutes to some of these people just because they're 38, 39 years old. And I, a competitive bottom six in the forwards and a competitive bottom six on, or bottom four in the D, the D. I think would make this team a lot better. Whoever's practicing harder, whoever's winning games can keep it going, but maybe that's just toxic work environment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think, you know, I, I think it's an NHL thing. It's not just a DJ Smith thing. Cause you, you definitely yeah. see it all over the league where it's the same kind of thing where, yeah, a rookie will get benched because he makes a brutal turnover in the third period and cost a goal, uh, the, the game. Cause that's what the last thing you remember, but what you don't remember is the 36 year old getting absolutely burned on three different plays. And that's why it was three, three to begin with. And the four, three goal is the winner. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree where it's uh, I haven't really had any issue with uh, Smith. I think the pressure will be on more this year and especially next year, you know, as they take uh, another step in to try and be competitive here. Am I sold? He's going to be the guy long-term. Not really, but I'm not against it either. I think it's still up in the air, you know, like, uh, as you said, he, he has, you know, shown his willingness to change, which is uh, more than you can say for a lot of guys, you know, like just even looking at, um, um, you know, I don't know how, fa- how closely others follow the league, but you know, in, in, uh, New York with the Rangers there, um, <laughs> like their coach got fired this year and he ruined every prospect they had seemingly <laughs> uh, because he just he refused to change how he coached them and that's not yeah. how dj smith worked so
1: which was I, so weird because he was from bu where yeah. it was all just about like prospects and development and he did yeah. such a good job it was weird it was real weird
0: yeah his whole thing was supposed to be like the prospect whisper or whatever and like they have been the most underwhelming team other than Adam Fox, who they didn't develop by themselves, you know? So, but, but yeah, like with with DJ Smith and I definitely agree on the uh, competitiveness too. I don't think there's an issue um, to having, you know, competition through training camp and even into the season. So guys don't get complacent as long as it does come out that the best players are playing, because, you know, we, we can say that over and over again, but at the end of the day, if we say that and, you know, I don't want to pick on anyone, but let's say Josh Brown makes three turnovers in a game and doesn't come out, but you know, Mete does the same thing and he sits for three weeks. Like, that's you know, that, that, goes, that goes against what uh it feels like best for the team, but yeah, I yeah. when it comes to bodies, I, I'm not uh not overly concerned. You know, I think if Branstrom isn't on the opening roster, and you know, I, I, I don't know, man, like, I'm I want to see him succeed, I'm still a little nervous if they tried to trade him, but at this point, like. This has got to be the do or die year, I think, for Branstrom. If he's not shown you enough, or the team doesn't think he's shown you enough at 21, like, Ooh. I just don't know how much better it's going to get. Right. And I think it's safe to say to count this, uh, like, count it out of him being a legit, like, anything close to a top pair guy. But you know, I've said it a couple of times, if he settles in as a second or even a third pair guy who's really good on the power play and can, and, you know, on that power play too, obviously Shabbat will always have power play one yeah. but and, and can feast on, you know, weaker competition in the bottom six offensively. Obviously, that will never equal a Mark Stone trade, but putting the trade aside (laughs) as sunk value, you know, that's not a bad player to have either. Right. But he's got to be put in the right position. And again, I honestly, I don't know about you, but I thought both Bradstrom and Mete looked very comfortable last year rotating in a top four role as the second and third pair. guy, And even in the top four, when both playing, uh, you know, Shabbat was hurt at times at the end of the year there, you know, trying to recover a little bit in a meaningless season. And I, I thought both of them looked really solid, you know, like especially as, you know, the, the deadline went on and it passed. They really seemed to get their feet under them and just as the, the more games they played, you could tell the more confidence they had out there. And I, I really hope they get an opportunity to do that again this year.
1: Yeah, that's a hundred percent the case. And that's that's what I was kind of that's why is the weird thing is it looked like they were getting their mojo. They were getting their feel. I think that we're going to be hard-pressed ever with a DJ Smith PRD uh, team to ever have two short defensemen in. And that's where I think we're really getting hurt. I think that the Sens are going to make a decision between Branny and Mete at some point this season. And that's who we're going to run with. I don't think that's the right decision. Um, But when it comes to watching them, I think they're both great. Mete came in and looked better on the senators than he had on the has for the last two years and that was great so i have a soft spot for him him just because i'll make has fans mad for years uh, but Branstrom, his ceiling if he ever gets there is going to be out of this world. And like you said, he doesn't need to be number one. He doesn't need to be the Carlson of 28 minutes where you can be God tier the entire time. If he can put together second line minutes or second pairing minutes or specialist third pairing minutes, that's still amazing. He pops 50 points for us in a season. That's huge. That's huge. We don't need to ask the world of him. The only thing that I'm asking of him, because I'm a little hesitant on a couple of stuff, is he needs to get stronger in front of his net. The amount of times he gets bullied off the puck, that's because he's 21. He's 21, and he's short. This is something that he's going to have to learn how to figure out his own defense. And once he has that, he's going to be fine. So like you said, I, I don't want to trade him. Because if we trade him right now, we're trading him at his lowest value since he's entered the league. And there's no way you're going to come close. The only time time I'd trade him if if he was in a big deal, like if we could get Hurdle or something, and he was the cornerstone piece of the trade or something. Like Hurdle and a Branny and a first for Hurdle if he or signed like an, an extension
0: yeah. player, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eichel,
1: I'm trying not to delude myself into thinking <laughs> we have even a shot at Eichel. Uh, and even then with what we'd have to give up, maybe it's a good thing, but that's the only reason why I'd want to see him go. I would not want to see him go for what was it? Strom. I was hearing some rumors about mm-hmm. and, or Dvorak. And I think Dvorak's really good. I wouldn't want to see Branstrom there. Cause I think Branstrom's a more uh, dynamic, cool player to go with. So, it, it's weird. It's weird. I'm really curious to see in the training camp how the D look because that's that's the biggest question on, on my mind is are we actually going to be playing Delzato every game? Did we acquire him thinking, oh, Delzato's this missing piece? Or is he going to be a great stopgap? Fill in, swap in and out, because I don't think he's that bad, but I, I just want I want to see France from be put in a place to succeed. That's, yeah, that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I don't think Del Zotto's brutal either. It's just they have yeah. three really good. Left-handed <laughs> defenseman already, and Holden, who yeah. can play the left side if
1: he needs to, as well. So it was well, it can't, just it can't, yeah. Does a Brandstrom want to swap sides too?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think the team still wants him to. Like he's wanted to for two years, two but or three Now's years, the time. You know? like, I, now's I the
1: time. What yeah, like, happened? Last year
0: would have been perfect too, but I don't know. And, uh, but I, I do think you, especially with that the lowest possible value, that's something that is just crucial. Like, and we see it how many times in the league do we see it where it's like, oh, this guy had one bad year, time to just dump him, you know? And then they all have a good year in the next year, and people are like, oh, how did we <laughs> see that coming? It's like, well, yeah,
1: I don't Marshall know. William Carlson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And like, yeah. And those are even wilder because it's not like they have that down of a year, but, <laughs> but and that's, you know, if we wanted to go to the floors real quick, like that's the biggest thing I have against trading Logan Brown right now. Uh, yeah. Like I think it they would be much better left off to let him play 20 to 25 games as even a bottom six center this year. And I think if he does that at even an OK pace, you can either A, decide if you want to try and make him part of the future or B, see if a team wants to take a risk on him then. Because I think 20 to 25 actual NHL games where let's say he plays at I don't know, like a 40 point pace and just is pretty good defensively or whatever. I, I think that would boost his value just a ton from where, you know, it is even right now,
1: even a 25 point pace like pace if he pot eight goals and, and, and like 20, 20 assists in a, in a insulated unit, I still think he'd be, he'd be way better right now. And what we're really going to try and post, uh, put Tierney. Is that really <laughs> what we're going to do? What was the, what was the, uh, the article where I think it was a Bruce article where he talked about how Tierney is going to be looked at to have a better season because it's his contract year. So they're expecting good things out of him. Oh, like, God! I... <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. What? Oh, I don't geez. get it. I don't. I don't even hate Chris Tierney all that much. I I just think that he's such a non-factor. I think that he is done playing on the Senators, and I don't think that he's helping the Senators anyway. And we should just facilitate a best case scenario, send him out to Phoenix or wherever, and uh, and let him just cook there for a year.
0: Yeah, I really can't see a situation where Tierney uh, finishes the year with Ottawa. To be honest, like. Um, yeah like and even last year you know I thought apparently they uh they had some offers on them last year and they didn't take it and I'm just going like why like even if it was a sixth round pick <laughs> you should have just taken it and again like yeah I don't think Tierney's a horrible player but he's a bottom six NHL making 3.5 and you just have a ton of guys who can play that as effectively if not more um you know one thing I'll be curious to see is if they do really want to keep Chris Tierney this year which whatever I, I do wonder if maybe <laughs> they they look at moving Colin White to the right side and trying to you know you have some more depth on that right side I know you know I've talked about it a couple of times but you know Formington I know he can play that right but he might play left he might play right um obviously with trading Dadnov there's a bit of a hole in that two three spot that we don't know if Formanton's automatically going to take and hell you know I I love Connor Brown I'm not convinced he's a second line winger full-time you know like he had a great he, year last he, year he, he but hits me he might, like Peugeot. He yeah. hits me
1: like Peugeot where he will step up when he needs to, but his, his comfort spot is third line. Third exactly. line. when he, And when he's on, you put him up for a line and you put him back down. And that's great. Every team needs Connor Brown. That's exactly who you want.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe they look at moving Colin White and you have a, a right side of Batherson, White Brown. You can flip White and Brown as you need to. And then, you know, down the middle, you can run uh, – Norris Tierney uh you know probably Pinto <laughs> I would assume and then Logan Brown and I I wouldn't hate that you know obviously I think I'd rather Tierney down the lineup as the year moves on but I, I think the ability if they really do want to play him the right way to play him is use him as a buffer until your young guys show that they're ready for a little more responsibility and then move him down that lineup you know as uh, guys look like they can take more ice time from him
1: and I think it's the best case for Colin White as well. I think that him playing center is a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and I think that he loses himself on the ice. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's I think he's really good at that he's just trying to do too much. If he can play a right wing situation where all he has to do is simplify, get into the shot, be a pass option or a, a setup play on a half board. I think that suits him way more than trying to fight, fight for space in the middle of the ice and have a shot because he just doesn't have that scoring touch. He'll never have that scoring touch. He doesn't have the Brady ability to make something happen in a 2.5 square foot box or whatever he does with a stick that I can't figure out. That's just not him. So him being able to play on the right side and then maybe take more of a defensive specialist route, which I know was something he wanted to do because he talked about that. I remember during draft day was he wanted to be more of a uh, a two-way center than anything else. I think having him play on the right side with uh, Shane Pinto or Tierney or whoever ends up being there is an absolutely fine option for the senators and is in no ways a worst case scenario for Colin White
0: yeah I wouldn't be surprised if you know especially just if it's not this year at some point in this contract he does move to the right side just you know as they say or maybe slides down to third and fourth C. And it's tough with White because you know you're never going to be able to separate him from that contract but if you can do that he is still a very useful player you know he's A third line, a third line center, maybe even a second line wing, you know. And uh, I think, you know, he is really solid defensively. He he drives play, but yeah, he doesn't have a scoring touch. So as long as you know, you're not going to get that 50 point season out of him or whatever. If you can put him in a defensive like capable mindset where he's taking the defensive zone draws or out there while the draws are being happened, help break the puck out and even just cycle it around and you know kill 45 seconds while he's on the ice, there is value to, to, to be had in that, right? So
1: huge. And if he can specialize on a defensive role where you can put him out every time for a defensive play uh, face off during a pivotal moment of the game. That's that's great and that's what a player like Colin White who isn't isn't hitting the same thresholds that he was in college or, uh, he, yeah, he played college hockey, right? Mm-hmm. I yep. think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. When he isn't that a- able to be that dominant force on the ice like he used to be when he was younger, finding your niche and running with that is the way to be good. And I, I, I think a, a right wing doing something like that makes a lot more sense than a center who's trying to do four or five different things. And if they're not willing to play, uh, who, who am I thinking? Stutzla at center? for the same exact reasons. It's like, Oh, we don't want you to have the weight of the, the line on your shoulders and everything like that. Why are they doing it to Colin white? When I think that his ceiling is a lot lower. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah. I definitely think there's, uh, a ton of options going forward for sure. It won't be, uh, a boring year. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's still some deals to be signed here. I mentioned Logan Brown, definitely a more minor one of the two, but he will need a deal. I can't imagine that is, uh, Going to be too hard. And then Philip Gustafson's one that's kind of going under the radar too. I, I think, you know, obviously we'll get to the big two in a second. But uh, Gustafson's <laughs> Gustafson, someone I keep forgetting, doesn't actually have a deal right now for um what's really gonna be a month from now. They're gonna be back in training camp. Under that, probably I bet she starts in two or three weeks, being late August here. But um, you know, I, I again I can't imagine that will be a tough deal, but um, I am curious to see kind of what the uh I don't know if hold up's the right word, but just going into late August with two not minor but you know guys that just they don't have much leverage right now they should you know, be I mean, hard
1: they yeah. should be easy deals to have signed yeah yeah I, and so i'm curious to see what the
0: holdup is or if you know they're just they're working on the brady and drake ones and they know that these will be easy deals so neither side are are in a rush or anything like that but i'm curious to see what that comes in as because uh you know augustus uh, someone i'm definitely going to have my eye on this year um even as someone who i, I think really probably could use some NHL games at some point. I don't know if he'll start because, you know, they have Marie and Forsberg, but if Gustafson looked great in camp, I don't know how you can justify keeping him down in the minors to start the year.
1: It's going to, well, it, it's tricky. And I wonder when I look at Gus, I think about, uh, Hoggy's contract. Cause he got a three-year deal when he wasn't very good in the A. Uh, and the third one was, was one, uh, one way his third year was one-way guaranteed. So that's what I'm wondering, which is uh, holding up Gus here, is I wonder if he knows, hey, when when Hoggy was my age, he was getting this, and I've looked a hell of a lot better than he has at this point. So I wonder if he's looking for a one-year A and then the next year, next two years, one-ways, which I think should be what he's targeting, but I could see that being kind of the force here. Now they're going to be arguing over what, like 800,000? Nah, I guess they'll probably start at a million to like, Two million at the most, because come on, let's be honest here. But you know how the senators are—we're going to nickel and dime every single option. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to just sign him with little fanfare for a one-year two-way, and then just revisit this next year. That seems to be Pierre's thing. But it's—it's it's tough after how well he was last year. What do you think? Do you think that we should have signed Forsberg again?
0: Again, on a normal year, I say it doesn't really—I wouldn't have cared because I think there's no such thing as too much depth. And, you know, yep. if Gustafson outplays Forsberg, you could waive him and send him down or even trade him. You know, how many teams do you see you get desperate around when one of their guys shockingly goes down with an injury in training? Oh, camp? that's but how we
1: got Forsberg. Yeah, exactly. exactly
0: right. <laughs> um, But, you know, with this team, I'm a little more hesitant because of just the refusal to put one way guys on waivers. And that's where if that is ends up being the hooking point where they go, well, we can't pay this guy 700K down the AHL. <laughs> I think it would have been a mistake to resign sign uh, uh, Forsberg. But if it is just all things equal and, you know, they just wanted them in case, and who knows, you know, like goaltending so – it's not like we had a massive sample size of Gustafson last year either. You know, obviously Hogberg looked great two years ago and couldn't save a beach ball last year. It's not the worst thing that if Gustafson – and I don't think this will happen to Gustafson, but if it does, it's not the worst thing to have the option to be able to send him back down to the minors and, and let Forsberg take some NHL games, right? But, yeah, it's it, – it's one of those things where I don't think it's the end of the world signing Forsberg. Would I have personally done it? Probably not. But, you know, it's, I don't know.
1: The weird part for me is we have Sogard, who by all means has the ability to be a world beater. If, his, if, if he hits his ceiling at this point, which is really high because he's huge. But if he can hit that level of play that we're hoping he does, he could absolutely be a top five goalie in this league with the athleticism that he has for a person of his size, coupled with his actually insane game sense. If you watched any of the Belleville games at the end of the season, when they were actually winning games, it wasn't, I think, what was it? sogard won like eight or nine in a row. And I watched a good five of those. It wasn't like the B sense were just so dominant on the ice that he could just sit back and just make a standard thing. He was playing out of his mind, but in a very calm, cool, collected way. Not something that you would think you would see out of a guy from, from Denmark, who's played, what, a season of OHL, then a little bit of Euro, and then walking right into the AHL against some pretty strong AHL competition. And in, in our in our little little circle, there is the the Marlies have so much money behind them that they're they're always going to be competitive. And then the haves have a good smattering of uh, of strong prospects. And we were playing on a, a much smaller lineup than you think. And Sogard stood out every single time. So that's my biggest thing is I don't want Gus playing. of the games in Belleville because I think that he's above Belleville at this point and have Mads just sit there and watch because Mando's going to start in the uh, the ECHL, which I think is good for him. Let him just play a whole bunch. He's got a lot of growth we need to see out of him before he's going to be ready for any actual tough competition. Uh, And I just, I'm just hoping that we're not just going to be wasting time with Sogard or Gus just sitting on their butts. But at the same point, you know what, there's no way that every single one of these goalies is going to stay healthy this entire time. And that's where Forsberg comes straight and handy. And I I think that it is kind of a reward, too, for Forsberg, because he he got moved, what, three times last year? like Winnipeg, maybe? yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, all over the friggin' place. And he came to Ottawa with a smile on his face. A bad Ottawa team at the time, too. He came to Ottawa, a smile on his face, stabilized the the crease. And I think from him, he let the other goalies catch their breath. Murray coming back from injury looked a lot better, knowing that Forsberg was behind him, I think. And, uh, like, unfortunately, Murray got injured again, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think that it would be a little bit of... of I don't even want to say rude, but I think that Anton Forsberg definitely earned a little bit of this contract. Even if it's just one year of stability for this poor guy, I think that that it's just a nice gesture and it will be viewed upon as a nice thing from other potential journeymen uh prospects that the Sens might want to sign in a couple of years. Yeah,
0: it being one year is why I really don't have an issue with it. Yeah. You. you know how how many times have we seen the Sens fall in love with a guy who's played 30 games, looked not bad, and signed him to Mike a Condon. 3 deal. Mike Condon, you know, uh, <laughs> Mike even Condon. Andrew Hammond. Now Hammond was a bit of a special case, right? But but yeah, like Mike Condon's the classic where it's just like, okay, you really didn't need to give this guy multiple years for what he did. <laughs> and yes, it was great what he did, but you didn't need to give him multiple years. So yeah, it being one year is um, where I, I really don't matter, and I, I do think you know we see it gets so desperate for goalies sometimes in the league that uh, worst comes to worst. You could probably flip him for a sixth or a seventh round pick or whatever. And, and if you have options, that's, that's totally fine. Right. So um, yeah, I guess the next thing we got here is it, it sounds like it's not confirmed yet, but uh, from a pretty good source, some would even say great coverage. I would think, uh, it sounds like you're going to need uh, double vaccinations to go see the Sens uh in person this upcoming season and that, you know, that comes from Bruce Gary, of course, of the uh, Ottawa sun. Um, You know, he had a report on it uh, two days ago, probably three, when this comes out, but uh, yeah, I pretty much said expect that you're going to have to be uh, double vaccinated to go see Ottawa this year. I didn't actually read through it. So I'm not sure if a negative test would work. I know other places are doing either, um, double vaccination or a negative test but some are just doing you need to be double vaxxed if you want to come in um there's probably not much you and i need to say on this because i have a very good feeling (laughs) we're going to be on the same page and that uh this is absolutely the right call you know
1: yeah no absolutely i think that anyone who isn't requiring this for any sort of gathering at this point is just uh playing with lies and it's not, if we were at a stage where it was still hard to get vaccinations or it was still limited by supply. Yeah. I could see some bleed through uh, at this point, but no, you have to, you are literally going out of your way not to be vaxxed at this, at this stage of the game in Ontario. And absolutely. If we want this NHL season to function, and if we want to get back to a normal NHL, you've got, we're going to have to do this for at least a season. And once Ontario figures out how they want to do, proof of vaccination, whether it's an app, whether it's an actual little card or something or whether we can just sold the, show the email that we have in our on a phone as we get in. It's not going to add anything negative to your day. Just walk in, easy peasy, go enjoy and know that the people around you, A, if you accidentally have it, you're not spreading it to someone who doesn't have the vaccine and then potentially harming them or vice versa. You got some crazy anti-vaxxer, coffin Delta all over the place and you bring it to someone else. It is just a peace of mind and the like bare minimum. Of, of a pain in the butt. Like, that, that's a part. Okay, I'm going to go off on a tangent because this is go what I do. It. But, like, everyone who's complaining about this is like, oh, it's another thing, another step of getting into the arena. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's not hard. It's a piece of paper, and it's like you already have to line up to get your ticket looked at. It's going to be the same thing. It's just the weirdest stuff that people want to cause a fuss over. It gets... Blows my mind. Blows my mind. You wait 15 minutes in line for a shitty Tim Hortons after or at, during an intermission, or you gotta you gotta buy your $14 beer, you can just show a friggin' email on your phone. Get out of here.
0: I was gonna say it's gonna add one second to every person's getting your <laughs> ticket because you can either have your damn ticket sitting there with your phone out, or if your tickets are on your phone, you can just have both of them sitting on two different apps. Like
1: it's it- not hard. No,
0: (laughs) no, it really is not. And yeah, I'm very happy to see more and more NHL teams look like they're going to go. I think, uh, uh, Winnipeg announced it first that everyone's got to be double-vaxxed, and that does, that's not shocking. Uh, the Blue Bombers, are at, the CFL, are at full capacity this year, but you have to show proof that you're double-vaccinated. And then uh, MLSE announced it last week that anyone coming in the arena working for them all have to be double-vaxxed. Uh, the OHL basically said the same thing, that any team who wants to play this year, all their employees and players are going to have to be uh, double-vaccinated. So uh, it's a good step in. Yeah, if, if you're complaining about it go somewhere else to complain cuz uh, I can guarantee <laughs> guarantee I don't want to listen um listen to that but uh the, the other one that um another controversial thing but on a much much less serious topic I think there is an actual <laughs> debate here uh they announced that ads will be on jerseys starting the 2022-23 season um from what I've heard it'll either be a patch on your left right or you can put on the shoulders if you don't want to put it on uh um, the the two chest area, or you can just not have it. I doubt any team is going to opt to yeah, not have it no. because, by <laughs> oh, from no. from the sounds of it, it's like another I think six mil a year per team or something like that they're yeah. estimating for the
1: low budget. I've heard I've heard for like a, an Ottawa market, it'll be six mil, but for like the Rangers of the lease, they could yeah. be looking at twelve. Which exactly so great money.
0: Like yeah, if, I, know, yeah, if
1: anyone wants to pay me twelve million or six million dollars to tattoo something on me <laughs> right here. Let me know I will a hundred percent Pepsi logo even though they're screwing their employees right now I'm pro union hardcore but for six million dollars I'll forget all my ethics yeah like uh, let's go on that but yeah, I think
0: it was only a matter of time when they announced those helmet ads that jerseys were gonna come and you know I don't I don't know if you have a strong take on this one way or the other my take is basically as long as they keep it at this, I really don't care um you know that, yeah. Like if it gets any bigger, obviously you don't want the the European looking jerseys or anything <laughs> like that, where you're literally a skating billboard. But if it's one on the, on the shoulder, one on the helmet, they're most likely to be the same company. I bet you for over 50% of the teams. And as long as the color matches, I think that's all I'm at. That's all I care about. Like,
1: like it's, I can understand a lot of people's takes on it. Uh, but it's so minor at this point in time. And, As much as we don't want to admit it, the NHL does not have the market share that the NFL or the MLB has. These owners, they're not great people, of course, especially we know that. But these owners are not just raking in hand over fist money by just owning a team like the the Cowboys or something like that. There are lean years. And with the COVID situation that's going on, they're going to be lean. They're going to look for options. And you know what? a friggin' patch on your shoulder or your chest is going to be so minor. And you will have after five games that will look normal. As long as, like you said, the colors are there. It it, it's done in a classy way. It's not super, uh, super obnoxious. It's going to be so standard. Like look at, look at premier league soccer. Like they have literal, logos on their chest where the hockey crest is a friggin' Chevrolet symbol yeah. or you got Liverpool whose frigging uh, sponsor is being investigated for terrorist ties like that's something that I think I would be more concerned about is if we were making the ads the forefront of what we're looking at but if you're just looking at a frigging Canadian tire logo on a shoulder or a, a bell logo on a helmet you're already seeing those words in every direction that you're looking on ice as is fine it's hard for me to have a passion play as long as they're not putting it on jerseys they sell
0: yeah and it doesn't sound doesn't sound like they will or it sounds like from what i was hearing there's an option to get it if you want it but there's also an option to get it without (laughs) and i don't know who would really want to be that authentic that they're also getting their bell logo on the jersey but uh yeah it, it does sound like if you're going through fanatics or you know the team shop or whatever you can just get it without and i'm i'm totally with you there like uh, as far as i know you know the nba ones are like that too where the nba is the exact same sponsor and no one complains about it and- it's not on, if you want to buy a Jersey, you can buy one without it. Right. So, um.
1: the thing about the NBA too, is like, I'm a very passive NBA watcher. Like I'll watch like the fourth quarter of like five games a year. Like I I think it's a good sport. I don't understand it. So I find it hard for me to carve out time of my day. Uh, I didn't even know they had ads and I'm on Twitter 24 seven and you'll see friggin every single highlight there. I did not pick up once that they had added ads recently at all to those jerseys. And that's what it's going to be like in the NHL. We're all hardcore fans. We watch 82 stupid games of the Ottawa Sanders. So we understand that we're going to notice these things. But for the, the, the meat of the marketplace, and that's where the the NHL is trying to make gains, they're never going to have any sort of emotion attached to those ads whatsoever.
0: No, and, and I think even when you're watching on TV, you're not going to notice until they do like a close up on the bench mm-hmm. or whatever. That'll be the only time you even see them. And, <laughs> you know, again, to me, I, I, I definitely will hear the argument. You know, like I understand people say it's a slippery slope, but, and, you know, or even just the people who like to keep the jerseys as clean as possible. I just personally, I'm not that worked up about it. You know, I saw someone post a picture saying this thing. I can apologize. I don't remember the account, but I think it said something like this makes me sick. And I, It was granted. It was like eight in the morning. I just woken up, but I was like, I stared at it for like a minute. (laughs) And I was like, are are they talking about the players? That seems a little rude.
1: (laughs) I wish I wish in my life. That I like my life was so easy that I could have a strong take about minor jersey ads like I wish that COVID hadn't broken me down to the point where I'm just like you know what I muted emotionally to anything that isn't like horrible awful news now like if you I don't understand it with everything that's awful that's going on and your focus is like ah, no, I can't see an ad on a shoulder like come on like think of put your priorities in check yeah ads suck. We live in an ad-based everywhere. Like, you watch a YouTube thing, you're seeing three ads no matter what. So we'll see. Once they uh, release, like, some VR mapping, though, that can add, like, moving ads to a player's back, then I might start getting mad. But at the same time, that actually sounds kind of cool. I know. <laughs> like, imagine I'm, almost, could, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm almost ready to just lean into this thing. Like, who can just have the most ridiculous ad possible? Like,
1: Oh, no, like, I want to like, see uber, uber on to- the sense jersey
0: or just like any <laughs> stupid company you know sponsor like just oh my god
1: yeah i but, just want to see like one rich person just put in like buy it out for themselves and just have like a small waving <laughs> place or like if i had unlimited money just like bossy.ca right there baby just like get that on someone's shoulder and just go with that
0: yeah absolutely i, I think there will be obviously not to that extent but there will definitely be a couple <laughs> where uh I'm sure Twitter will get a good laugh of it, uh, laugh out of it, and I'm sure there will always be the people who are mad. But you know, for for the week or whatever, we'll get we'll get a good laugh. There'll be a couple cheap jokes at it, and that's probably as much as I'm going to think about the advertisements on any jerseys this year. So, uh, I'm just trying to think of if there's anything else we really had to go. Uh, I did a retweet.
1: I did a retweet right before uh, I went on See, this and there are, there is a question, a question. Well, there's two, say, but I'm not going to get We're going to, we're going
0: to ignore Spencer's question, but yeah, good. Uh, yeah, no, we will, we will answer Laura's here. Uh, the stick on, on Twitter and uh, it says, if you could have any player on a rival team, which would it be? Um, I'm assuming for Ottawa rival would be Toronto, Montreal.
1: I think we can maybe sneak in like Pittsburgh just with all of yeah, our. I, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, so th- those three tricky.
0: Yeah. I just for age alone, I would have to go Austin Matthews. I think um, <laughs> I, as as much as that pains me to say it. Um, But like, I, I don't know. I, I've said it a couple times. It's just, I, it is fun to absolutely like just meme on the, on the Toronto Maple Leafs and oh, yeah, yeah. how pathetic that franchise could be. And you know, the, the first round loss and everything, but man, Austin Matthews is one hell of a player. Like,
1: the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are built out of players that I would love to see on other teams so that I could be happy for them. Like I, mm-hmm. I love Jake Muzzin. I'm a Sioux boy and I, he was great for the Greyhounds for a long time. Just like 80% of the uh, Dubas built Toronto Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. but, but I can't go for him in blue. So I, I'm thinking about this. I wish that we could have just said Canadian team. So I could say Pedersen because I think he's exactly the player that we'd want to put in high skill, young, world is his oyster. Imagine him in our top six. Oh, too nice. But I'm going to go, I'll do the, the, the diet Pedersen. And I think I'd go with Nylander. I think that he's very cost controlled uh, or or Caulfield just because you know what, who doesn't want another absolute hundred percent stud in the top six, but I don't think we need another player that we have to kind of ease into things. And I think uh, Willie has a Skill that he's developed and would be very complimentary in our, in our top six, whether you're par- pairing him with Norris and uh, Kachuk or having him as an alternative scoring choice with Bathurst on a second line or Stutzla on a second line. Like, think of that. Think of the second cool. line of like, whoever, whoever's centering that, I don't care, but you got, you got Timmy and you got Willie Nylander. Like, hands just butter like it doesn't matter where you are on the ice they will find a pass for you or they will get into an open space and just pot a beautiful goal so that's I'm just thinking of that raw skill that I think Ottawa is missing in the top six and uh Willie kind of fits that need for me
0: I love William Nylander he I that is the one guy I really just wish was on any other team but Toronto like yeah he would be yeah. just like literally one of the guys. I mean, I still do root for him because he takes so much shit from the Toronto media too. Like, yeah. It's, it's oh my crazy. God. <laughs> like people think that contract, like they will be like, Oh, he's making $6.9 million. It's like, a nice. B the dude is a <laughs> top 15. Like he's probably the 50. I had him. I, I, uh, on my other podcast, we did the top 20 wingers in the league and I had about like 15 or 16. Then like, like I'm pretty confident in that, and the dude makes under seven million dollars. Like
1: it's a six point nine cap hit. Like that yeah. is bonkers, yeah. bonkers for what he brings to your team. And if he wasn't on the Toronto Maple Leafs, he would be making nine point five easy because he would be the number one slot. And you know what? That may I'm sure he's happy with what he has. Of course, who wouldn't be happy? Be happy with seven million a year and taking the the easier kind of a uh, kind of defenseman to, to get some highlight goals, but it blows my mind how little respect that he gets in Toronto. And it, it makes me sad. Cause I think he's also kind of out of all of them. He's the one whose personality I like the most.
0: Yeah, exactly. He yeah. seems like, I a, like I, the I, dude good guy yeah and you know I was happy for him in this playoffs it was the perfect mix of Toronto blows and embarrassing <laughs> lead but Nylander was the only guy doing anything for three of the games so he couldn't take any of the criticism I was like that's that's perfect but yeah I, I absolutely <laughs> I have nothing but good things to say. And the, the, just thinking of the idea of Nylander and Stutzla with both of their shots and Nylander loves to get in. But one of the biggest criticisms if he doesn't get in the dirty areas, he scores more than almost anyone from in front of the net, like right in that slot area. So oh, yeah. Stutzla being able to set him up right in the middle of the net and then him being able to move it out to the slot where Stutzla is, or like imagine the hell that him and uh, Kachuk <laughs> would put in front of a, a goaltender. It's, like-
1: it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's, Okay, let's let's think. What would it theoretically take to prime out of Toronto? Like we gotta think it would be in div trade. It, it would, would be a
0: first, it would start with first, and then
1: they'd probably want Sanderson.
0: Yeah, if you're I was
1: thinking about it, like, you could like D.
0: first Branstrom, and then you'd probably have to add on another solid-ish prospect as well if you wanted to try and stay away from like the the blue chip, if you will, in Sanderson.
1: Yeah, but
0: it, it would take a lot, especially because it's just like, like you know, again, I think Dubas has his flaws, but I don't think he's a fool when it comes Undone. to evaluating his own contract and what he has in his skilled players. Right. Like and he,
1: the, Yeah. And the way that I look at uh, Toronto surprised me every time because I keep thinking it's the one of these off seasons are going to pull the plug on one of these big contracts and to get it- to get a top two defenseman and just have them stabilize their their back end but he has it, he's standing pat. So, you know, he likes them. So, uh, and we can't really, they're in win now mode too. Yeah. It, w- it would. be uh, a lot. It won't, work. I, it won't yeah, work. It won't work.
0: It won't work. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you looked at the other rivals too, if you want to look at the other one, obviously Crosby would always be uh, uh, a treat to watch even as, as he gets older. Um, and then yeah, from Montreal, I think Caulfield feels like the only real answer there.
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't hate the Foley. I like, yeah, the I, I like lot, his contract, but he, it's a good contract, but he's not an X factor and he's a little bit older than I think our window would want yeah, him to maybe be. Suzuki.
0: I like Nick Suzuki a Nick lot. Suzuki.
1: too. My problem is I, I was thinking of that one too, is I think Nick Suzuki is great, but he's Josh Norris. So yeah. like, are we, do we really want to mess with that kind of juju and have one of them maybe in the second or third line? Cause then we're I don't giving know if up. That's horrible though. Like it's not. Yeah. Well, we're suffering from too much <laughs> skill. We have too that, many kind of good centermen. Like. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I,
0: I, I think and because I'm I'm, I mean don't get me wrong Josh Norris exceeded all expectations last year but you know I'm not sold he can get to that top 15 to 20 center maybe he can Mm -hmm. but I kind of view him more as like a Kyle Turris kind of guy where he's on that bubble of like 30 um, which is not a bad thing to have but if you're going to have that you also have to have a couple other guys who are at least close to that you know like a good to a very, very above average two C, Right. And like having a guy like Norris and a Suzuki type down the middle, I don't think would be a bad thing. They do play a little similar roles, but Hey, just being that shut down team and then letting your, <laughs> letting your wings drive the offense, I don't think would be that bad either. So um yeah, no, definitely, definitely not bad intriguing definitely exercise. Not bad that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who's young on Pittsburgh. Well, no do they, one, <laughs> do they have anyone under 29? Oh, yeah, like, and um, I think
0: Jake Gensel might be 27.
1: Yeah, he's the only one. What happened to him last year? I didn't hear his name that much. He, I
0: think he was hurt, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, he's I'm 26. Pretty sure he, 26. Yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure okay. he broke his leg
0: halfway through the season.
1: Oh, I, um, think, I think he might be right. Oh, no, he played, it was the year before. Oh, okay. He, yep. he put up 57 points in 56 games, so that's not too bad. <laughs> Just all a right. casual point
0: for game yeah. kind of guy.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, all right. All Cody CeCe.
0: Yeah, I was just to say, yeah, the, the problem with Pittsburgh is they have a lot of, like, decent players, but none of them are, like, like I like the Zach Aston Reese of the world, who's, like, a good, solid yep. shutdown defenseman. Even Brian Rust is really good, but, like, not for this team, you know? He does, they don't really fit the Ottawa Senators in terms of going forward, where it's, yeah. like, yeah. Like the, we're the we're at it's...
1: different points. They're, yes. they're in last gasp territory, and we're in... Uh where they first cast <laughs>
0: the, the penguins really remind me of the the sharks or kings and one of these years where and it's literally it's going to be the year where sydney crosby can't finally finally stops dragging his his own line and basically <laughs> team around um but you know like one of these years i feel like the the cliff isn't going to be like a. Um, and I guess for LA, you could argue that it was a, a steady decline. They just barely made the playoffs and they just missed and then they sucked. But for like San Jose, <laughs> it was conference finals to worst team in the league. And I can see Pittsburgh having that kind of drop. If Crosby ever drops off from a top five centerman in the league, which is insane. But I think he still is <laughs> at this point. Like
1: I, I wouldn't be shocked this year if Pittsburgh made it back to the finals. I don't know if they would win, but. They've got if they get a
0: healthy Malkin back, like
1: yep, and some some okay goaltending out of Jerry.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's the big question: is can Tristan Jari be fine for an entire year and not just be like literally one of the worst three goaltenders in the league?
1: They have so much money tied up in their D. Mm-hmm. Why
0: for such an, a mediocre bad defense? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, like I like John Marino and uh, Brian Dumoulin quite a bit, but like I don't know why mil. they thought. Michael Matheson is the guy we need to go <laughs> trade for on a contract that pays him almost 5 million for six more seasons.
1: It's like, like guys, it's, what the hell? Like none of those contracts are team breaking, but all of them together just make zero sense.
0: Yeah. Like I, I think, so Ryan weird. Dumoulin, oh, wow. and even Dumoulin's been so hurt. I don't know if he does, but like Marino and Dumoulin were the two that I, I can I'll yep. defend, but like even Marcus Patterson, it's like, he's a fine player, but, I don't think he's a player you need to be giving a four by four to at any time, at any when, point, like
1: when you have the skill and you're in the rest of your lineup and and <laughs> the aging, like Jeff Carter and stuff like that. Like, imagine if they had a little less money there, you wouldn't have to be paying Jeff Carter. Like yeah. you, you can make a lot more out of that. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll, I'll take it back. I won't say Stanley cup finals. I'll say past the first round. I, I, I will say about
0: that. I don't think the Metro is, like, I think the Metro's prime to really, I mean, they already have kind of, but I think they're going to keep taking a big step back here. Uh, I think the Hurricanes got worse this year, and I really like the Hurricanes roster, um, you know, but I don't know what on earth they're doing with their goaltending. <laughs>
1: uh, you don't, what? Yeah, yeah, how come there hasn't been more talk about that? Like, especially Just- with... Iserman's answer when they're like, Why were they comfortable giving him up? He's like, Well, you'll have to ask them. Like no one looked up. It made zero sense. One of the one of the best surprises in the NHL that they just were like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and yeah, like they
0: I think they were primed to be the best team. The Capitals and Pens are still obviously good, but they're taking a step, like they're just getting older. It feels natural they're gonna take a step back. Uh, the Islanders are obviously a great playoff team, but like both years they have just snuck into the playoffs. Like they were fourth last year because literally no other team in that division <laughs> wanted to make the playoffs. And people seem to forget that two years ago, they had lost nine in a row after their big Pajot edition. They, and w-
1: they probably would not have made the playoffs. No, like I didn't think they hit. would have
0: missed. Yeah. And then yep. obviously COVID missed and credit or COVID happened and credit to them for, for regrouping and, you know, finding their legs when the bubble hit again. But yeah, like, it's not like they're a dominant regular season team. And again, people like the Rangers, I think they'll take a step forward, but I don't think they're like, I, I'm just much lower on the Rangers in general. I don't think any of their prospects other than again, Adam Fox has really turned out the way they thought they would. Now, obviously there's still time for Capo Calco and uh, even Lafreniere to, you know, yeah. turn into something special, but just from what we saw last year, it wasn't their top the play- contenders to me or anything. Like
1: if you think about Timmy, which, you know there are some dissenting opinions just because his D numbers are basically nothing, but he was also playing for the Ottawa Senators. I think that there's not enough of that that's taken into account is just how bad we can be for 40 minutes a game. Uh, But when he was on the ice, you freaking knew he was on the ice. Mm -hmm. You weren't like, oh, who's that? Oh, when's Timmy back on? He steps on the ice and the ice shifts. It's a different game when he's playing. And when I watched Rangers games, Lafreniere wasn't bad. At no point was he bad, but at no point did he ever control any of the action. It was just He was there. He got some goals. He got some points. He was fine. At no point did he look like he was going to be able to just be like, no, 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 no. This is what's happening right now. We're going to score and we're going to come back in the game. He had zero X factor. Yeah, it's his first year. And I think that he's going to end up being a superstar in this league. But it really did not make me feel like I had missed out on a whole bunch with how good Timmy looked for us.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if some of that is because he has a player like that in Panarin on his team already, and even Adam Fox was unreal last year, but yeah, absolutely. Like the From just the eye test alone, you definitely uh, notice Stutzla a lot more than Lafreniere, and I think, you know, I've said a couple times here, but the way I would sum up Stutzla's defensive impacts is (laughs) it's concerning if it keeps going going forward, but it happening last year, shouldn't be a concern for how he played last year, if that makes any sense, right? Like he had a good season. He was an 18-year-old finding his way into the NHL and played very well doing A European
1: 18-year-old as well. And that's that's not something to ignore. And, you know, and all
0: that. all the, the, the raw skill is clearly there. So yes, if, if it continues that he is one of the worst defensive skaters for the next two or three years, that is absolutely something to be concerned about, but just for year one of his 18 year old season, I'm not going to worry too much or put too much stock in some mediocre or slash even let's be honest, horrid defensive results, but on <laughs> on one of, you know, a not great team, really all, all things considered.
1: So I do um, wonder how many of those bad defensive results though were just uh, real bad uh, start of the season decor that we had with, uh, with Coburn and all that. And then Matt and Murphy even- letting in a goal every, every I third think shot that's the day. big
0: thing right I, I think there was some of just trying to do too much near the end of games because yeah. your goaltenders letting three <laughs> shitty goals throughout the game <laughs> where it's like okay it should be a 1-1 game and are down 3-1 or 4-1 now so I'm going to pinch kind of like um, the perfect example I think would be for someone who's much much older is Patrick Kane over the past couple seasons in Chicago he still puts up monster point totals but he lets so much up defensively that it's like his. Oh, if you're looking for like advanced stats like goals above replacement he's much lower than you would expect because his defensive results. Are just so bad, but <laughs> I think a lot of that is because it's like if he's not scoring in Chicago, who on earth is scoring right? And, and I, I kind of wonder if there was a little bit of that with Stutzler, which obviously, again, long term, you know, this year I, I hope to see a little bit of an adjustment where even if it Complete means game. you know, yeah, he doesn't game. score quite as much as you thought he might this year. If his whole like his 200 foot game improves, I'm not going to have an issue with that at all. But, um, you know, just another thing I think to look forward to this year, I just
1: I cannot wait for sense hockey to be back. I was thinking about that
0: the other day. I miss it, dude.
1: Like it is awful, awful, awful with how, like we got kind of lucky with the, uh, last year's late kind of COVID cup that we got to watch because it gave us, I think it was four months, five months off hockey. Yeah, only. But like every the other sports were still happening. But like right now, like we're in these dog days of baseball where it's almost and there isn't like a fun run. The Jays like I'm not even that big of a Jays fan or anything, but the Jays are just so crummy right now that it's hard to be like, oh, let's see what's going to happen here. Nothing's going on with basketball. Uh, when, when does Football startup is it two months now? A month?
0: Yeah, it's uh mid-September, I want to say. So three oh weeks, God. two or three weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah,
1: so that's that's something. That's something. But going from friggin' June or whenever, yeah, June to this, this has felt like triple last year. Yeah, it's felt like triple. And I just I don't care what happens. I just want to be able to just yell on the internet about something that a 18-year-old player did wrong and why I will always hate that player and get start some rivalries going get angry have fun something to kill these days as uh, we try and hope that this fourth wave gets uh, gets cut back down
0: yeah absolutely i say hopefully you know everyone keeps you know sees these growing numbers and hopefully convince a couple people who have not been vaccinated to go get vaccinated
1: it's but, easy uh, peasy Exactly. I don't think we're. Pl- I don't think your audience is the one that we need to be telling this to. I would
0: be very surprised if I have a if, large amount of uh, anti-vaxxers
1: <laughs> listening to this. If but. you have an anti-vaxxer friend, tell him tell him to listen to us because we are uh, we're real convincing. Exactly. Uh, thank you so
0: much for joining me today, Matt. up. Uh, where,
1: where where can people
0: find you and, and you know anything you want them to see?
1: <laughs> that guy, anything going on right now? Uh nah, I'm at Matt Bosty on Twitter. Uh, let's see what my last tweet was. That wasn't just a retweet. So, you know what you're getting into? Oh, will energy drink popsicles work? Please vote in that poll. It will be up until Friday where I try and make an energy drink popsicle. And I will report on whether it works in a flavor and b energizing. My guess is bad on both counts.
0: I put a yes. I, I have some faith here. <laughs> I think I, I had saw some alcohol popsicles uh, going okay. around a couple weeks ago. I think an energy popsicle. That's got great marketing all over like, it.
1: So. If it works, like it's, it's real hot in Ottawa. I'm just thinking of the delightful like, finish a work shift. I don't have air conditioning.
0: Oh. Just,
1: yeah, if you're watching this, my hair has just gotten progressively more moist with sweat. So that's a bonus <laughs> for any of your viewers. Uh, but no, a uh, an energy drink uh, popsicle just seems like the perfect way to cap off a hard work day.
0: I absolutely agree. And lucky <laughs> for the viewers, the video does not make it to
1: light. So. Oh, thank God. Uh, thank God.
0: But thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, It was a a blast as always, and I'll have to have you back on uh, when the season
1: starts, and we got more to talk about. Yeah, anytime. That was uh, that was a good one. Thanks.